Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast with me, Monty Ward, and my guest today is Andrea Sartori. Andrea is the president of the Sartori Group, which is based in the Veneto, in the Val Policella area. Welcome. Thank you, Matthew. Okay, so listen, tell us a little bit about the Sartori Group. What makes up the group? The group is, uh, first of all, I'm very proud to say that this year we are turning 120. So we're Million. celebrating now 120 birthday, <laughs> 120 anniversary. And uh, I'm uh, the fourth generations of the family, and I'm very proud of that. Not many families companies lasted four generations, and not many families companies lasted for 120 years. So I think that's that's uh, that's a lot for us. Okay, so that's your anniversary. So in terms of the group, what are the, what are the origins of the Sartori The origin, family? it's coming from totally the other way around. My great-grandfather Pietro, which is the, actually the founder of the company, was a hotelier and restaurateur in Verona. By the way, Hotel San Pietro was a few, few blocks from here. And uh, Pietro bought, back in the middle of 1800, Villa Maria, which is a 1700th century property and when he built the, the villa he found uh, in the villa a small wine cellar that was mainly used from the previous owner as pretty much family consumption and he had the nice thought to use the wine produced in the property to supply the restaurants his project was to have a consistent supply of quality wines into the restaurants so he didn't mind a lot about us becoming a winery. The man that really moved forward for us is Grandfather Regolo, which I never met because he died very young. He died in 1952 at only 54 of age. And he was the one that had the visions that Sartori future would be in the wine business. So what he did is basically sold uh, the restaurants and hotel and started to put all the money into the winery. This is between uh, 30s and 40s. Not a lot happened during Second World War because the, com- the, the estate was confiscated by German troops. So everything was basically stopped for five years. And when the German left in 1945, he eventually could go back into the business. Although it took a few years because the unit that was actually occupying the estate was a unit of mechanics fixing weapons from the front line. So when they left, they had to destroy all the weaponry that was spread around the garden and the vibrations of the explosions damaged the winery and the house. So before we became again operational, it took a few years and definitely we lost all the pre-war vintages because the Germans stole everything. <laughs> but eventually we came back on our feet and uh, unfortunately Unfortunately, grandfather couldn't see a lot of his dream coming true because he died, like I say, died in 52. And also my dad and my uncle took over. My dad was only 22 years of age and my uncle 19 years of age. So I think we've been kind of lucky that these two young guys could not only survive the company, but basically bring Satori to the next level. So you're fourth generation. I'm fourth generations. My dad and uncle both retired at the end of the 90s, and my generations took over in exactly in 2000. So when you took over, what did the company consist of, and where has it got to today? When I took over, the company was doing pretty much one-third of what we do now. And uh, since my generations took over, my cousin Paolo takes care of the national market. My brother, Luke 
Luca takes care of wine and grapes processing, and I'm do, I'm the export. Uh, I, t- I take care of the export basically. So since then, we nearly tripled the company. We are now exporting 75% of our productions in more than 70 countries. So what are your main brands? Obviously, Sartori. Uh, the main products under Sartori branding is, of course, the wines from Verona region, so Valpolicella, Soave, Bardolino, and all the appellations we have in town. But I must say that Pinot Grigio is also very important for us. Right. And they're all from your own vineyards, or do you also act as a merchant? The, the big factor that changed our life, and it was, I think, very advanced when we did it back in 2000s, we decided to allow co-op for farmers to get into our company, and we sold them 40% of us, so they're now part of the board and also part of us. And that group of farmers, better say co-op, represent a large platform, 2,300 hectares, uh, which is a great... Uh, additions to our strategy. So the fact that they have a stake in the company, does that mean that they work, inver- inverted commas, better? Absolutely. I think we we both benefit from the fact that we are together in a, in a more structured way than just, just a partnership. And uh, we both grew enormously in terms of of focus in terms of quality, in terms of quality management. And right now, 80% of the wine we sell come from our own vineyards. So just give us a little lowdown on some of the brands. You have vineyards also in Friuli. What are your main brands? The reason why we bought that little estate in Friuli was uh, organic wines. Uh, That company was born in the 80s. Montalbano. Montalbano. And uh, the original owner, Mauro Breidot, got to a stage that he was growing, but he had no financial backup, and he had also some uh, production issues that he had to address. So he came to us and he actually proposed, would you buy the company, providing that I'm staying on board as a management for the for the organic wine projects. And it was great for us because into the platform of the co-op of farmers, we were growing organic grapes already. So we needed like an umbrella brand to put everything together under one house. And the fact that Montalbano was there for us, it was a great addiction to our portfolio. So we put everything under the Montalbano umbrella and now we're very successful, very happy we went forward into the organic wine project. So that's your organic brand. So obviously you're sourcing uh, under the Friuli and Veneto Appellations. Yeah. So how's that market developing? It's developing nicely. I don't think, to be honest, it's developing as fast as we would like, but I think there is a window, there is a window of opportunity into organically grown grapes and organically uh, wines. Right now, the main markets are still Northern Europe, North America, uh, Germany, or better say, country that are more sensible to the organically to the organic wines production. More, more sensitive, yeah. Yeah, uh, more open-minded to it. Yeah, yeah, and I think, but I think is is you can't go wrong. It's a win-win situations, and I think the consumer is recognizing that there is an added value into organically products anyway. Okay, let's just dig into some of the regions that you work with. You work with uh, Suave, Valpolicella, and Badolino. Costello so as well, and Ghana, and we also produce Pinot Grigio. So you've kind of got all of Italy's most famous regional names, shall we say, in your portfolio. I, I think we're very lucky to be where we are. Okay, so just give us the give us the lowdown on, on the different markets for those wines. It's probably difficult to generalize, but um, you know, Lugana is a small region, but the wines sell for high prices. Why is that for white wine? Lugana originally, I think it got very high re- uh, recognitions, especially from the German market. So Lugana is a success story, but to me, it's still limited to few markets. Principle, in principle, Germany and Italy. There are now 
now a lot of companies that are trying to develop, and ourselves too, that they are trying to de- develop Lugana in other markets, but it's not, uh, it's not happening overnight. So we need more work on that. So Lugana is a dry white wine from the shores of Lake Garda made from the Trebbiano di Suave. And the German connection is interesting because um, uh, weekenders from Germany is just to the north, drive down, they fill up their cars. It's they a pay big cash. tourist destination yeah. for Germans, especially south of Germany. Yeah. You can drive from Munich, Munich into yeah. Lugana in four hours. So that's why I think Lugana spread out in the German market first. And um, But I have good hope for Lugana because I think as a, as a model, it has everything that is needed from the market. So tell me a little bit about Suave, another white wine, famous white wine from Italy. Suave, it is a huge production area. I think is nearly 50 million bottles per year. It is spread out again. I, I would definitely say 80% of Suave is exported anyway. Main market for Suave are UK, Germany, and North America and Italy itself is still a good market for Soave. I think Soave is changing totally the perspective from consumers. Soave in the past was considered kind of table wines or a little more than a table wines, quite one dimensional. But I'm very happy because uh, the Soave you can taste today is totally different from the Soave from the 80s. So I found a lot of good quality Soave out there. And I think Soave might be the next thing after Pinot Grigio because it's got the critical mass and uh, it's got all the characteristics to be successful. We only need to present it in a different way. Okay, uh, moving on to Red Valpolicella. Okay, the flagship, one of the flagship of the country today's dates is Amarone, which is one of the segments we have in Valpolicella. The three main wines we produce there is Valpolicella, Valpolicella, Ripasso, and then Amarone. So very successful appellations, more than 60 million bottles sold last year, 80% exported in more than 100 countries. Uh, Actually a beautiful opportunity for all of us. What other opportunities do you see developing in other regions in the north? I mean, you've pretty much, you've got the full house really in terms of the north. Are you looking at any other areas? Prosecco? Not at the moment. I think now Prosecco will be for us a me too. We don't want to be just a bad copy of the people of Prosecco out there. We rather focus on still wines, and I, I think we have a lot more to say of what we have now uh, before we start looking around. Okay, I want to say thanks to my guest today, Andrea Sartori, President. Thank you, Matthew. Of the Sartori Group. Yeah, my mum calls me Matthew, although she does. Monty, where's the game? Father Christmas, everyone. Thank so you. So I want to say thanks to my guest today, Andrea Sartori from the Sartori Group in the Veneto region of Italy. Uh, thanks for explaining uh, the differences between your main areas of production. Thanks. Thank you again. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram.